the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear, gracious, heavenly Father, as we have sung with the songwriter, there are times when our hearts long for and yearn for that blessed land of eternity where we are free from all doubts and fears and temptations and onslaughts of the enemy of the soul and where all is bliss and joy and peace. But there are times also when we scarcely think of these things and our hearts are engrossed with these passing things and vain things of this life. <clears throat> and so we go from day to day. But we are thankful that thou art ever the same. Thy promises are true and steadfast. There is no variableness or shadow of turning with thee. Thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we are thankful for this. For we know that we can trust thee. We can have full confidence and assurance in thy word and in thy promises. For they fail not. And thy mercies are forever upon those who fear thee. And so we pray that thou would work in our hearts that work which is needful and necessary, which only thou art able to, to do and accomplish that would save our souls. For we are prone to waywardness, we are prone to unbelief, we are prone to sin and all manner of iniquity we are prone to those things which we ought not to be. And our hearts are and flesh is inclined toward the world. But we pray that thou would so work in us and change our hearts and point us in soul and in spirit and in mind unto that eternal home and give us grace and strength to journey so that we might safely reach it one day. Bless those who cannot be with us. Bless those who are here. Though few in number that we may gather around thy holy and eternal word. <clears throat> For we know that where two or three are come together. In thy name thou hast promised to be in their midst. And so we lay hold upon thy promise even this evening. And we remember to carry on to thee for all those who have asked for our prayers and supplications in their behalf. We cannot help them. We cannot give on to them those things that they are needful of. But we can pray for them and ask thee that thou would so be mindful of them as well as of us. Hear us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Next song is number 111.
the songwriter answer to your own heart and your own experiences as <clears throat> you journey on the pathway of life that there is nowhere else that you can look nowhere else that you can turn to find hope and comfort and strength and reason to believe but upward into the face of Jesus where our fears are done away and our our hope and our faith is fixed upon the merits and redemptive work of Christ may it be so with us who are gathered here this evening hour that our hope and our trust is in Christ Jesus for there is nothing else that is lasting and enduring there is nothing else that will stand in the hour of death and on the day of judgment but the redemptive work of Christ and what he has accomplished for us all that we have done and we have been able to accomplish has been to crucify him with all our deeds as good and as bad as they are they have only accomplished <clears throat> the death of the Son of God caused him to be put to an open shame on the middle cross of Calvary and to be mocked and to be spit upon to be scourged and to be hated and to give his life and to shed his blood that's what our deeds have accomplished But we are thankful that what Jesus has done and what he has accomplished 
has brought about life and salvation for you and for me. All as a free gift of God's grace, with no merit or worthiness on our part because we have none. We have rather incurred upon ourselves the wrath of God, but God has caused this wrath to be turned toward his Son, in whom has been cast, upon whom has been cast our sins and our iniquities, and he has bore them <coughs> onto the middle cross of Calvary. We will read of one blessed encounter with Jesus that happened long ago but is perhaps renewed again and again in the hearts and lives of many who have that grace and blessing to come to know not only to see Jesus but also to come to know him and Jesus says that's eternal life to know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent and we read from the 19th chapter of Luke first 10 verses which which we read in Jesus name Jesus entered and passed through Jericho <clears throat> and behold there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans and he was rich and he sought to see Jesus who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way <clears throat> and when Jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said, unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. <clears throat> and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. This story of Zacchaeus is a familiar story, I'm sure. We remember it way back in the early Sunday school years, how we how we heard of Zacchaeus and sang the song concerning him and it is those things that remain in our memory 
that we have learned in song. They remain the most vivid in our memory <clears throat> when we have sung about Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man and who climbed up in a sycamore tree and and Daniel in the lion's den and so forth. It seems like those things that we <clears throat> we sing about even from an early age are the things that remain most clearly and vividly in our minds. It is likewise that way even when people that we visit in the nursing homes, even Alzheimer's patients, and those whose memory is supposedly gone, and they cannot remember day-to-day -day things, but they can still remember song, words and, and hymns, words of, of hymns and songs. like Levi did, who, whose favorite song, he remembered the words as well as the number that it was in the book, number 145, I remember. And he would call out the number when we'd ask, is there a song that Levi would like to sing? And that's the number, and then he would sing along also. You could see his lips moving in remembering the words, even though Otherwise, you couldn't carry much of a conversation, if any, with him. And many others, those things that we sing about, and for that reason, singing is good, that we sing about the things of God. We sing about the Word of God, and we teach our children, even in song, those things that are in the Bible, because they will remember that most clearly it is that part of the brain that that is used to <clears throat> remember songs and music and and somehow it seems to remain with us longer but so it is that these things we remember and when we think of Zacchaeus we we think of the song concerning Zacchaeus, as we have learned it in Sunday school. As it is based on the word of God, and here is the story concerning Zacchaeus that has been told time and time again, and it is, is an old story that is always new, because God's word seems to always have something for us. It is never exhausted. Even as many times as we read familiar places in the scripture, it's never, never really exhausted. There is always something there that, that some particular time God reveals and, and refreshes the heart and warms the heart and gives us encouragement. And we are able to Rejoice and be thankful for those, those precious revelations that he gives unto us. We read here that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. 
Jericho is an old city also. It is familiar in the Bible. It is a city that we remember in the Old Testament. And again we remember singing of how the walls came tumbling down. When <clears throat> Joshua led the, the children of Israel in his march around the city. And how though they were few in number they were told by God how they are to encompass that city that was fortified with a battlement and, and wall completely around that seemed to be impregnable but when the children of Israel marched around it every day for seven days and on the seventh day they they marched seven times and then they blew their trumpets and broke their vases that they carried their <clears throat> lights in and let the light shine and as they shouted the walls crumbled and so Jericho fell <clears throat> and it was the first encounter that they had in the Old Testament when they crossed over over the river Jordan to possess that land that God had promised unto them Jericho signifies the moon in the scriptural language as all these names they mean something in Jericho in the Hebrew language means moon or light of the moon and what does that remind us of doesn't it remind us of man's reasoning and understanding that which is totally borrowed from the sun it has no light of itself but it borrows all that it has and we come into this world <clears throat> we have not the wisdom with us but we acquire it through knowledge through learning through experience and even at best it is foolishness before God the wisdom that we do acquire and likewise the wisdom of God is foolishness unto man by reason of his corrupt and sinful nature and in order to possess the the land of promise that God had given unto them they had to overcome this first city and isn't it that way also that the mind and the reasoning is that which must first be overcome that struggles and wars against and is a strong fortress that needs to be crumbled before man can possess and faith can enter into the heart a while back I spoke about the uh, wisdom or the work of Satan that blinds the minds of men in the fourth chapter of second Corinthians where the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not <clears throat> so that faith cannot enter into their hearts to accomplish the work of God and and bring about salvation and certainly it is not without significance that Jesus or that this is mentioned here that Jesus passed through Jericho and there was a man 
by the name of Zacchaeus, who was an inhabitant of that city. Jericho was a wealthy district. In, <clears throat> in the Holy Land, even at that time in the Old Testament, as well as now in the New, in the time of Christ, and he tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief publican, and he was given jurisdiction over this land of Jericho, over the district of Jericho, which was rich in itself. And publicans were those who were the hated and despised tax collectors who collected revenues for the government, for the Roman government. And particularly Jewish publicans, they were hated. They were despised because they were gathering revenues for a heathen, for a foreign government, and... They were therefore hated for their very work. But Zacchaeus was not just an ordinary publican. He was one who was rich, exceedingly rich. He had become through his labors and through his office of collecting revenues for the government. And those who were rich and acquired enough wealth, they could buy larger districts for themselves from the government by the so-called rights or permission to, to gather these revenues or taxes for the government. And for their efforts and for their work, they could tack on their own percentage for their income. And that kind of situation we know breeds greediness and, and love of money, and it is certainly not a place for <clears throat> for one who is striving against the riches of this world. But Zacchaeus was in such a position, and, and he had acquired much wealth, and he had other publicans under him because he was chief among the publicans. And how many there were laboring under him, we do not know. And all of these not only gathered percentage for themselves, but also for their boss, who was Zacchaeus. So, in the course of time, he could become very exceedingly wealthy. And as time went on, he acquired wealth, and he acquired also the hatred and the despising of the fellow Jews. But Zacchaeus was a strange character. He was a strange individual in many senses that even though it appears like he was one who was only set out to, to become rich and become wealthy and cared nothing about anything else, there was something in his heart that, that stirred and was stirred by the knowledge of what he had gathered about Jesus. He had heard about him. And it had stirred up in his heart a desire to, to know more about him and to, to at least see him. And he knew that Jesus was to pass by in that place where he was. And he desired an opportunity to see him. 
It was not just to satisfy the outward curiosity like people are curious if you hear about some famous figure just uh, out of curiosity you'd like to see that person to be able to say that I saw so and so a well-known person a president or a king or whatever but Zacchaeus was more than just curious outward outwardly curious he had a an inner desire that was kindled in his own heart and soul concerning Jesus and this is what comes out and becomes evident in this account concerning him and of course the man that he was desires to see and to know a little more about was no ordinary person either for he was <clears throat> indeed the son of God who went about as a man was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin he was a son of God and who knew more about Zacchaeus than Zacchaeus ever realized just as he knows more about us than than we perhaps realize he knows who we are and knows our very thoughts and so was also Zacchaeus though he thought that he would just be aside from the crowd and being of, of little stature he couldn't stand among the people and hope to see anything but if he could climb a little bit higher somewhere he'd get a better vantage point and, and there he would be able to see and there would happen to be a sycamore tree and these kind of trees they're fig trees and some of them grow up to 50 feet tall so one of these overhanging branches on the way was perhaps one of those that Zacchaeus climbed up to so he could he could see well as the Lord passed by but he didn't expect what was about to happen he anticipated only that as Jesus passes by he could he could see him and then see him disappear in the distance with the crowd gathered around him and at least that much of his heartfelt desire could be satisfied but when there is a right kind of a desire in the heart of man a desire toward God then it is in the right direction and God also knows that it does not go without God's notice that some individual has a desire for something else besides what this world has to offer and Zacchaeus we know being wealthy certainly he could have enjoyed a a very lavish lifestyle and had all that this world has to offer but there was something in his own heart that he desired that perhaps money couldn't buy and he could only be satisfied by coming to know or see Jesus a little closer and that kind of heart's desire is is pleasing unto God and God knows our very thoughts and intents 
he knows that kind of a desire that works within the heart of man that may not be known by anyone else. That innermost desire within the heart that if I could only somehow come to know uh, about Jesus, the Savior and Redeemer, to know if it is so, as the Bible says, that all that I have heard and I've been told that is it really so? And a person can have these kind of thoughts in his own heart and not even divulge them or speak about them to anyone else. And you don't have to. God knows and sees that. God sees in the very heart of man what is the very thoughts and intents of the heart. For the word of God searches that out. God's word and his spirit. His word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even to a piercing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So is God's word. And when that word then is able to enter into our ears, and especially into the ears of such a one who has these kind of thoughts in his heart, then it does a blessed and a wonderful thing. It accomplishes good. It brings about the work of God and it draws that heart closer unto God and unto Christ and unto a saving knowledge of Jesus. God works all this. And he provides the time and the place also where one can come to a very close knowledge, to an intimate knowledge of Christ. Zacchaeus thought that he had, he had a plan that he would climb up in this sycamore tree and see the Lord as he passed by, and be above everybody else where he could have a good vantage point, and that would, that would be sufficient. That's all he was satisfied or hoped to see. Perhaps not all that would satisfy him, but all that he hoped to be able to see. But as he had a desire within his heart toward the right things, even in spite of the fact that he was who he was, a publican, a chief publican, man who was acquiring wealth at the expense of others. But God works in mysterious ways to his wonders to perform, it is said. And God works in all kinds of hearts, even in those kind of hearts that it would seem like they are far from God and would never, never be able to come to the knowledge of salvation. And in other hearts it seems like they are so close and yet they are so far and they never come to the knowledge of the truth. They are ever learning and never come to the knowledge of the truth, Paul says. So God works in wondrous ways because he knows what is in the heart of man and what is in the mind of his spirit. Because the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. And the heart of man is Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it, the scripture says. Yet in that same heart that is so deceitful and desperately wicked, 
God is able to work and bring about even such a miracle and wonder that there is life and salvation. And living faith is kindled in such a heart <clears throat> and one is able to believe and be a child of God and an heir of eternal life. Zacchaeus had climbed into this sycamore tree and as he, as Jesus came by, he didn't just pass by. But as he came to the place where Zacchaeus was, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus. Now, we see from this that Jesus knows more than the ordinary man. Among all those people, he knew Zacchaeus by name, even though he had perhaps Zacchaeus had never spoken to him before. At least the scripture doesn't tell us. But he knew who he was. And he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. Do you suppose those were terrifying words for Zacchaeus to hear? Not only does Jesus know who he is, by name, but he bids him to make haste and come down and now he's going to come to his house. Do you suppose that was a terrifying thought that by no means should Jesus come to his house and see what kind of lifestyle he was living? How about us who are this evening? If Jesus were suddenly to come this day and abide at our house would it cause terrifying thoughts and wonders that, well, not today, this wouldn't be a right day because not everything would be what we would want Jesus to see. But not so here. For immediately, it says, he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. So we can see here already what was in the heart of Zacchaeus. For his desire was to, to see and to know Jesus. And now the opportunity had come that he could have him as a guest in his own house. How joyfully he received him and made haste to come down and quickly hastened to his own house. And... <clears throat> But there were other people who saw this, for certainly it, they, were, they took notice of what had happened as Jesus suddenly stopped in his travel and he looked up into a sycamore tree and, and he's speaking by name to a man who's up in the tree and tells him to come down, that I'm going to your house today. And particularly because they knew who Zacchaeus was, that he was a publican, a chief publican, and notorious as they were, which made the matters all the worse in their eyes. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that this man, that he was gone down to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Doesn't he know that Zacchaeus is a sinner? Doesn't he know what kind of life he has lived? Doesn't he know what, 
what kind of heart Zacchaeus has? Doesn't Jesus know that Zacchaeus has greed and covetousness and, and he is in that kind of a position? Doesn't Jesus know these things? Certainly he knows all of this. He knew quite well who Zacchaeus was and what kind of life he lived. But the people didn't know him. These people didn't know who Jesus was. They knew who Zacchaeus was, but they did not know Jesus. For had they known him, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, the scripture tells us, if they had known him. They knew Zacchaeus, just like they knew Barabbas, and they would rather have him released than, than Jesus. And they murmured and said this, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, now they are in Zacchaeus' house, or at least appears that they are. But Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything wrongfully or anything from any man by false accusations I will restore him fourfold. What prompted Zacchaeus to make this kind of confession? Sometimes, you know, when we're caught in the act, we make a hasty confession of what we have been doing, but we, uh, our nature is such that we try to make it as, as innocent sounding as possible what we have been up to, what we have been doing, especially we have been caught in the act and been confronted and now we must confess and, and acknowledge because the truth is there. And such often is the situation, and, but this was not the case here with Zacchaeus. He was not making this confession because to, to hide anything or to cover up anything, but to reveal something, to reveal what was in his own heart. And that is far better that man speaks out of the depth of his heart and makes known and speaks the truth. He was not commanded to, to restore all these goods Nobody told him what he has to do, but he knew the law. He knew and was familiar with the Hebrew laws way back in the Old Testament. That stated that if someone had wrongfully exacted or defrauded a neighbor, that he is to restore him fourfold for what he has taken. And <clears throat> Zacchaeus was familiar with that law and therefore he stood before the Lord and said half of my goods I give to the poor now the law didn't say that that you have to give half of your goods to the poor but he was willing to do that as well as if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation I will restore him fourfold that was what the law required but to 
give half his goods to the poor. That was prompted by his own heart and by the thoughts and feelings of his own heart now because he had come to know Jesus. He had Give up all of this because we have tasted of something better. It's like that man that had found a pearl of great price and who had all kinds of goodly pearls, but when he found one of great price, he went and sold all that he had so that he could have that one pearl of great price. And <clears throat> this is how God works within the heart when... Man is brought to that place when he finds that there is something better than what this world has to offer. There is something more and something better, something more than gold. Like, again, another song that children sing. There is something more than gold. And that is the knowledge of the Savior and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. It doesn't sound reasonable, does it? Just to know Jesus. To know about Jesus is worth more than all the gold and the silver that is in this world. For many people, to have a choice, they would quickly choose. They would choose without hesitation. They'd rather have all the silver and the gold that they possibly could than to know Jesus, who he was. Because they don't know what Jesus has to offer or what Jesus has to promise. But all the gold that is in this world, all that this world has is subject to moth and rust and thieves break through and steal. And those who have acquired the wealth of this world and by the grace of God have come to that place in their life when that suddenly takes second place. It's not that important at all. What's most important is, is the life and salvation in Christ. Even life itself. It is said of those who were on the Titanic that sank. There was a lot of wealthy people. The ship's coffers were full of precious jewels and gold and possessions of the wealthy people that were there on this maiden voyage. And it is said, remember my wife's grandmother speaking about it, that there were people who had wealth and who offered their money in exchange for a place on the lifeboat because there wasn't room for everyone and women and children were permitted first and the elderly and, and so forth and <clears throat> there were those who offered money to be able to go first on those lifeboats and one person says I'll give you so much money I'll give you all that I have in exchange for that place but no the place 
on the lifeboat was more valuable than all the gold that was in the ship's coffers, in the ship's treasures that those people had. Because it went down with the ship, but the lifeboat brought salvation, so to speak. It brought deliverance from, <clears throat> from, me, from the watery grave. And so there is a time when, when we see what the priorities are and when we see what the true values are. And no doubt Zacchaeus had come to that place where he saw what the true value was and now he was willing to give up half of his goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, by any means, I will restore him fourfold. Do you suppose that was just exaggeration on Zacchaeus' part? Sometimes people tend to exaggerate that I'll, I'll give four times as much back and I'll give half of my goods to the poor. It could well sound like exaggeration and just a promise that he didn't intend to fulfill. But Jesus knows what is in the heart. And if that was deceptive words on Zacchaeus' part, he would not have said what he said here. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, insomuch as he also is a son of Abraham. If it was deceptive words that Zacchaeus spoke, then certainly Jesus would not, upon such deceit, utter these blessed words. This day is salvation come to this house. We must believe and can be assured that Zacchaeus did that which he said he would do because of what he had experienced, because of what he had come to see and to know. Not everything is written here of their conversation, but I am sure that it was not everyday things that they talked about in that in that household. It was not about how to acquire money, how to become wealthy, how to get rich quick, and so on. Those were not the things that they talked about in Zacchaeus' house, but they talked about salvation. They talked about eternal matters. It was not about the weather or anything else that often fills our conversation for lack of better things to talk about. We talk about all kinds of things, but the things of, etern of eternity, those matters of the soul, I'm sure that those were the things that they conversed about in Zacchaeus' house. And it was a blessed day. This day is salvation come to this house. Because Jesus was there. Because Jesus had come there. That's why salvation had come to that house. If Jesus comes to your house, then you can say, this day is salvation come to my house. The day that Jesus comes and is a guest with you and comes to be with you and abide with you, then that is the day that salvation is come to your house, to your heart. When Jesus has come. There is something else also. 
for us to learn here that is typified by Zacchaeus <coughs> climbing up into a sycamore tree and that is one tactic of the devil you're too low you're not good enough to approach the Savior you must be better you must arise above the others so that God notices you so that you will stand out that your good deeds and works will stand out then you will have a hope of coming to know Christ and having a hope of salvation so the devil of self-righteousness works within the heart of man you must become better you must rise above the others and then there is hope for you and that never comes about it will never come about spiritually and if it does it will certainly not bring us closer to God but further away but the enemy of the soul the devil of self-righteousness works that way he tells the sinner and Zacchaeus was one of them he tells the sinner that you must be better than you are God does not listen to rag devils like Lestadius says you have no right to approach unto him you must be you must become an angel before you will be accepted of him and that's how the enemy of the soul works but when Jesus begins to speak he says make haste and come down you don't have to climb up into a tree if there is a right kind of desire within your own heart for Jesus will come unto you he will come he will draw nigh draw nigh unto him and he will draw nigh unto you <clears throat> and he said unto Zacchaeus this day I will abide at thy house what a blessed matter that is when Jesus comes unto us for if a man is a sinner and he is sick in his sins what can he do he cannot come unto God he cannot do anything to help himself he is totally at the mercy of God and God is gracious and merciful he comes unto the one who is who is wounded by the wayside he comes unto the one who is sick and in prison and he comes unto the one who is needful of him who is totally helpless and in his own thoughts and his own feelings finds that he is it is hopeless for him Jesus draws nigh unto such a heart and gives strength for such a one to draw nigh unto him as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God as many as believed in his name John tells us this day is salvation come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham no doubt he was a descendant of Abraham by lineage because he was a Jew but also there was more than that Abraham is known as the father of faith in that sense that Abraham believed God and he was accounted unto him for righteousness and the faith of Abraham is spoken of in the Old Testament as well as in the New 
And this is what Jesus is speaking of. For he also is a son of Abraham. By faith he is a son of Abraham. Not only by lineage, but by faith because he believed what he heard. He believed what he had heard of Jesus and he believed now all the more when Jesus spoke to him. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And it is so even yet today that Jesus seeks. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He seeks upon the shores of the Red Sea and upon the banks of the River Jordan and upon the hillsides of Galilee. He seeks and he calls for the lost sheep. If he could hear their voice, if they would answer and cry in their helpless and hopeless condition, then he could come unto them and deliver them and bring bring them restored again unto the house of Israel. That's what Jesus seeks for. And may he continue to seek and may he continue to find those lost sheep unto whom he has come to bring salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There'll be uh, Sunday school Sunday morning at 9.30, church following at 10.30, and evening service at 7. It's also a Sunday school teachers meeting at Jim and Judy Traffy's next Tuesday night at 7.30. In closing tonight, we'll sing song 148 from the small book, and during the singing of this song, we'll carry a free will offering for the benefit of the church.